Thank you, Matt. I believe that meeting's at 12.30, is that right? I'm not sure where it is. I don't think it's in my office, though. All right. Well, good to be uh, with you again. I had a new person or two that I talked to. Uh, If uh, you're here, we're glad to have you. We're talking about transformation. We've been on this now since the new year started. Transformation, learning to live in the kingdom of God. The last couple weeks, we spent some time in uh, the longest story that Jesus told to uh, teach us about uh, ourselves and about the nature of God, the story of the two sons, the prodigal son, we call it. And uh, we noted there that that we are people who, in a variety of ways, hide from God. And the two sons in the story represent just two different ways that people hide. I don't know that they're the only ways, but they're two common ways. The younger son uh, hides from God by running away, running away and breaking the rules, right? It's uh, the the process of uh, self-fulfillment or discovering yourself or whatever you want to call it in modern terms, but it's it's running away, and part of that is to get away from the father. There's a whole line of people who try to do that, right, in the Bible. Remember, Remember Jonah? Another one of the guys that tries to run away. So that's the one son, but then the older son, <clears throat> he tries to hide from God by staying at home. Staying at home and keeping the rules. And we spend a bit of time working on that, that, that sometimes obedience is a way that we actually keep God at a distance. And that was the problem that the Pharisees had. And in fact, it's a problem that a lot of religious people continue to have right down to the present day. All right, so uh, we're going to move on today, and I want to uh, think with you for a while now about the challenge of renewing our minds. If we're going to be transformed, if we're going to align our lives with God's present and coming kingdom, there needs to be a renewal of our minds. And that takes us to two passages that we've actually looked at previously, but I I just think they're worth coming back at again. The first is in Romans chapter 12, and the other is in Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy... To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then Ephesians chapter 4, 
So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. <clears throat> so, you, you see the emphasis here. <clears throat> Paul says, I want you to be transformed, and that's going to take place by the renewing of your mind. The Gentiles have a problem. It's with their mind. It's what Paul calls the emptiness or the futility of their thinking, and that then spins out in their life in a, in a whole problematic group of ways. And the alternative to that is, again, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. And that leads to being a new kind of person, the new self, he calls it. All right, so... <clears throat> Let's, let's spend our time this morning focusing on some aspects of this. And, and we'll probably come back to this again next week because there's a whole lot to think about here. <clears throat> uh, Ephesians 4, you may recall when we looked at it back in our study in Ephesians, that's the text that provided us with this idea of the, uh, the school of the Messiah. Right? That, that's where we took it out, right there, right out of verse 20, which in different versions, you don't quite get the, the feel of it the way I like it in some of the older, more literal transition translations, where <clears throat> Paul actually says, uh, talking about the Gentiles and their problems, now he says, that's not the way you learned Christ. That's not the way you learned the Messiah. So that's where we got this idea of learning the Messiah and the school of the Messiah. Here's our little first-year disciple who showed up. He's trying to learn the Messiah, who is, Paul tells us elsewhere, who is the very wisdom of God. So he's going to try to be a, become a, a wise, old disciple, and uh, he showed up with his, uh, with his school bag and his books and stuff. He's, he's ready to go. The goal, the goal is not <clears throat> just to become the Bible answer man. The goal is not to become the next creative theologian. 
That's not the goal. The goal is to become a new person. To be renewed, to be transformed through the renewing of the mind and actually become a new person. So that's why Paul there in those closing verses says, you know, you put off the old self or the old, literally the old man, but it's the old person that you were. You put off the old person, you put on the new person. And you do that by this process of being transformed, the mind being changed. I'm not sure why this guy has an egg for a head, but maybe it's just to, so you can put your own face in there, see? It's, it's your task then in the school of the Messiah. And as we said, in in 420, Paul says we actually have the goal to learn the Christ. Jesus is the teacher in the school of the Messiah, but he's not just the teacher, he's also the curriculum. He's what you learn. Learn the Messiah. Or as Dallas Willard would say it, My goal as a student in the School of the Messiah is to learn to live my life the way Jesus would live my life if he were me. So, what would Jesus be like on my job? See, that's that's the goal, to become that kind of a person. Or... uh, Think about that text that uh, Matt just shared with us. We weren't in collusion on this, but uh, you know we need renewed minds. What what is it we're after? Well, we're after gaining the mind of Christ. Paul says in First Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. And to the Philippians who we're having some relational struggles, especially chapter 4, you know, those of you who are doing the Philippians study with, uh, with Dick, Ephesians 4, Euodia and Syntyche weren't getting along. And so all through this letter, he's, he's driving toward that question he's going to talk about in chapter 4, and he's doing it already in chapter 2. In fact, he's doing it in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, it's very clear. He says, now, look, I want you to have this mind in yourself which was also in Christ Jesus and then goes on to talk about what that mind led Jesus to do to leave his father's glory his glory to become a servant and here's one of the great pictures in the New Testament of the servanthood of Jesus right John chapter 13 where where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. The form of a servant. And so in the school of the Messiah, my goal is to learn him. And to have my mind transformed because it's out of the mind that our actions flow. So I want my mind transformed so that 
I think the way he thinks, and therefore I act the way he acts. All right, well, so that's our task. So we come to Christ, we trust in him, and as we've said before, we get a lifetime enrollment in the school of the Messiah. And you never graduate from that school. That, that's where we have to get past that, that faulty understanding of the gospel which sees everything happening right at the beginning. I trust in Jesus, my sins are forgiven, okay, you know, that's it. No, that's just the start. Because you, you got enrolled. And it's a lifetime, lifelong learning. That's what teachers like to talk about, right? Lifelong learning in the school of Messiah. Well, uh, let's say again what we've already said about this transformation thing. It's hard. it's, It's hard. It's difficult. It's a life of challenge. And it's maybe worth just reflecting on a little bit, what is it that makes it hard to be a student in the school of Messiah? I mean, you've got, you got the best teacher ever, right? So, I mean, it's, it's got to be good in that sense. But, yeah, but it's hard. And the problem isn't with the teacher. Part of the problem is bad habits, Bad bodily habits, but bad bodily habits are, are also a reflection of the problems in our minds, right? It's bad thinking. It's bad responses. And another week we'll have to talk about the fact that mind is more than just thinking. It's more than just thoughts. Right? You've got that whole thing of emotions and desires and all that stuff. And, and we've got bad habits, that are deeply, deeply ingrained. And so the challenge in the School of Messiah, the challenge of transformation, putting on the old, putting on the new, is dealing with those habits, those, those defaults, those things that we don't... You know, a lot of our habits are, are not conscious. Like 95% of what you do is not conscious. (laughs) There's there's a system in place in your body that cares for all of that. And and then there's other stuff that's only partly, you know, partly conscious. When you... uh, Maybe not you. When I go to drive home at night... And I, and I want to stop at Home Depot on the way. That's just a little bit out of the course. You know, from the time I leave the door here until the time I get to Home Depot, I have to be thinking about that. Because if I don't, you know what happens? I'm at home already. How does that happen? It's because my body is trained. There's memory trained habitually into my body. I can drive home without thinking about it. And and so, you know those situations where all of a sudden something pushes your button and you are right on it? (laughs) 
in ways that you may be embarrassed about later, and you didn't even have to think about that, did you? Why? Because it's, it's ingrained in your body. That's the way you respond. And it doesn't even have to come to consciousness. So, habit, that's what makes learning hard. Then there's the expectations of others. Wow, this is a big one too. Uh, you've acted, you know, the old person, you've acted that way for how long? How many decades maybe? And now you're enrolled in the School of Messiah and you want to put that stuff off, you want to put on the new habits and you start to work on it and people say, or they think that themselves, what's going on here? We live, uh, we live in systems, you know. People talk about family systems. Uh, marriages are systems. And you've got a system at work, all kinds of places. We, we're in these relational systems. You can kind of think of it, maybe I kind of like this, uh, this drawing here because it suggests the gears of a machine. Right? So, so I may be in a certain area of my life, really dysfunctional. And my wife, to survive, <laughs> has learned a corresponding way of relating to me. So that the gears, most of the time, the gears mesh, right? What happens if in the school of the Messiah, I come to understand that I'm not acting appropriately and I go to make the change? Well, you know what that that's like, right? That's like throwing a wrench in the middle of the gears. Everything grinds to a halt. Because my change is going to then prod a change in some other people. And they may, they may say, well, I wasn't consulted about that. Or they just continue acting the same way they did, assuming that we're the same kind of person. That's a tremendous amount of pressure. Makes it harder. And then there's, there's just the time factor, huh? Habits don't form overnight. Habits aren't changed overnight. But I wish they were. See? I'm impatient. I, I want the results now. I'm here in school, and I become convinced that I want to be a new person. I need that to happen my old life isn't working very well, and, and I want it now. But it usually doesn't happen that way. You can hear stories, and, and I think, unfortunately, too often in Christian circles, we tell stories about our Christian experience which point to radical, instantaneous transition. I don't deny that sometimes happens. I would deny that it happens very often. Usually, the change that needs to take place takes place gradually over time with a lot of work, and that's why you're enrolled with a lifetime enrollment in the School of the Messiah. And then uh, a fourth thing that comes to mind that, that makes this hard is there's this issue of control or I guess I'd say the illusion of control, which is what we like. We like the illusion that we are in control. <clears throat> and it makes, 
it makes us nervous, at least it makes me nervous, in the school of the Messiah, when Jesus says, follow me, and, and my response is, uh, where are we going? <laughs> uh, I, I'm, open, I'm open to following, but where are we going? Tell me that, right? Don't I get a vote? Control's a huge issue, or as I say, the illusion of control. We think we have a lot more control over situations than we do. But, but control's a challenge. And if it's a challenge on Monday, and you work through that, and you say, okay, Lord, I, I'm available. I want to learn what I need to learn, even though it's hard, even though it may be painful. If you say it on Monday, then you probably have to come back to it again on Friday. Because we give up one area, and if we're not careful, we take it back again, or we take back a different area, and, and that makes learning hard. All right, so it's hard, but we decide, yeah, we're, we're ready. We, we think that the importance and the value and the ultimate blessing of being enrolled in school to learn the Messiah, to become like him, is of such surpassing value that we're going to face the difficulties. So we enroll, and uh, what's, what's the first big thing that we have to deal with? The first big thing? Pay attention. You know that from school, right? You got to pay attention. You got to listen to the teacher. You have to focus your mind. Paying attention is focusing your learning energy in a particular way to a particular place. And that means you have to beware of distractions, you have to fight against distractions especially dangerous ones. This uh, guy is uh, going to have his attention focused very quickly and painfully, right? He's thinking about all other kinds of things. <clears throat> but, but when you're distracted that way, it's dangerous for you, and it, it's a great obstacle to learning. I think... Uh, I think we often sense when there's dangerous distractions, don't we? At least in some contexts. Why is it that people who are driving and talking on their cell phone inevitably slow down? Why is that? I think it's because we have a sense that what we're doing is dangerous. Right? So we, we slow down. <clears throat> well, in... In the school of the Messiah, there's, there's lots of dangerous friends. Dangerous distractions that draw us away. And we need to pay, <clears throat> we need to pay attention. And let's, let's up that a little bit more. Uh, we used this diagram, this picture a long time ago. It's a favorite of mine. 
Uh, because I think those guys are in puppy obedience school, but I think only two of them are listening to the teacher. <clears throat> two of them are focused. And uh, the other guy, well, he's, he's focused. But he's focused on something else. So he's distracted. And so I think part of what it means to be in the school of the Messiah and to pay attention is that we have to pay attention to what we're paying attention to. Uh, I actually got that phrase from Kurt Thompson's book, The Anatomy of the Soul. It's quite a good book. And he makes this point numerous times. Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. And often we don't do that. <clears throat> so, for example, let's say you're in school, the Messiah, and <clears throat> uh, the lesson that day from Jesus is something he says uh, numerous times to his disciples in the, in the Gospels. He says, fear not. And that's the way, that's the way he thinks, right? <clears throat> so if we're going to gain the mind of Christ, we're going to learn not to live with fear, at least fear of a certain sort. Fear not. That's, that's the lesson. <clears throat> and, uh, and so you and I might say, oh, wow, that, <clears throat> that's a good lesson. I want to learn that. I want to have the mind of Christ. All right, Kurt Thompson would say, okay then, uh, let's ask the question, is that a particular problem for you? Well, you might say, you know, in fact, I have some real struggles with anxiety. I find that I'm fearful about all kinds of things. Good. So you're paying attention to the lesson, right? Yeah. I want to learn this. <clears throat> Lord, help me to learn this. All right, now, Kurt Thompson says, let's pay attention to what you're paying attention to. So, when you get up in the morning, what are you paying attention to? Well, uh, you know, I flip on the news right away. Oh, that's interesting. How many hours a day do you spend listening to the news? Well, you know, I hadn't really thought about it. Okay, let's pay attention to that. A couple hours maybe? Or an hour a day? A lot of people do. You know, of course, that that the national, international news, even local news, is geared primarily in a way that drives fear. I mean, you know that, don't you? So on the one hand, you might say, you know, I have a, pro I have a problem with anxiety. I'm going to pray about that. Lord, help me with my fears. Are you paying attention to what you're paying attention to? If you're not, then I would say to you that probably that prayer is a wasted prayer. I think we waste a lot of prayers asking the Lord to change us, but we're not paying attention to what we're paying attention to. 
Somebody, somebody told me once that they were concerned about anger issues. They'd spend time every day on blog sites, politically oriented blog sites, and when they got off it, they were just ripping mad. And they said, I, I know I need to deal with that. I, I, I'm trying to pray for the people I'm so angry at. And, and hoping the Lord will use that to change me. Well, again, friends, asking the Lord to help us with any of these problems is a good thing. But what are we paying attention to? To spend time on internet sites that make you angry and then you ask God to help you with your anger, it's not going to work. I mean, it's, it's like the person who says, I've got an alcohol problem. I want to deal with it. So I dealt with it by, I only keep one bottle now in the cupboard. Are you kidding me? What are we paying attention to, friends? Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. <clears throat> Good advice. Now, having said that, <clears throat> we certainly want to ask God for help. Because it's not just, you know, it's not just the power of positive thinking. It's not just some mental thing I go through and I solve my problems on myself. I'm not that strong. So I still need direction, I need guidance, I need enabling, empowerment. <clears throat> so I ask God for help. Henry Nouwen calls this the prayer of the heart. I like what he says, the prayer of the heart is a prayer that does not allow us to limit our relationship with God to interesting words or pious emotions. By its very nature, such prayer transforms our whole being into Christ, precisely because it opens the eyes of our soul to the truth of ourselves as well as the truth of God. <clears throat> now that, that last part there is important, see? This is a prayer which opens the eyes of our soul to the truth of ourselves as well as the truth of God. It's very similar here to, to what John Calvin says at the beginning of, of his Christian Institutes. He says, all true knowledge of, is of two sorts. It's the knowledge of God and the knowledge of ourselves. See, those, those two go together. And, and Nouwen sees that very well here also. The prayer of the heart doesn't just limit our relationship with God to interesting words or pious emotions. So, a couple of weeks ago when we had snow, <clears throat> we posted that sermon by Trevor Hudson about loving God and about knowing God's love for us, and he suggested a simple prayer that we can pray a couple times a day along the line of uh, Holy Spirit, uh, please 
help me to, uh, to understand and accept the real personal love of the Father in my life. And some of you have told me that you're actually praying that. I think that's a great prayer. Because as we said before, one, one of our biggest obstacles in spiritual growth and transformation is to be really convinced that God loves us personally. So I think that's a great prayer. Uh, now, this could be a kind of addendum to that, right? We could, <clears throat> we could say, Holy Spirit, help me to understand the personal love of the Father for me, and then we could add to it a, a prayer for God to know us and to help us to know ourselves. Kurt Thompson suggests that we could even use a specific biblical prayer that, that would point to that same thing. And uh, so uh, here's one. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, you could just take the first line of that as, as the second part of a, you know, a short prayer. You could pray it during the day. Father, help, or Holy Spirit, help me to know the real personal love of the Father for me. And God, search me and know my heart. Now, that's an that's an interesting prayer, isn't it, when you think about it? I've been puzzling over that all week. Search me, God, and know my heart. Do I have to ask God to do that? I mean, he knows, doesn't he? In fact, the first verse in that psalm starts out, Oh God, you have searched me and know me. So what are we doing at the end of that psalm? Saying, search me, oh God. And... The best I can come up with is it's something like this. It's God, will you, will you search me in such a way that, that not only you know me, but, but I share in that knowledge? Will you help me to know what you know, to see what you see? It must be something like that, don't you think? And, and that, little, that little phrase, that could become part of a prayer. So that if, if Paul wants us to pray without ceasing, we could at various times during the day, just with a moment, say, Father, I, I want to understand your real personal love for me today. Please help me in that. And... Will you search me and help me to know myself? Help me to know what you already know. I, I, I want that. Even though it's hard. I mean, I want it and I don't want it, right? It's, it's this attraction-repulsion thing that's going on with us all the time with God. Until we get to heaven and we're changed and transformed, we're always going to have this attraction-repulsion. But in school, the Messiah... One thing you're working for is to try to have the attraction outweigh the repulsion. 
to have the being known outweigh the hiding and the running away. All right? Is that enough for school this week? Try to keep some of that in mind. All right, let's pray. Father, it's good to be here today to have your word and to sense the presence of your spirit with us. And Lord, one part of us cries out to you, cries out that we might know you and that we might know Jesus, that we might learn him, that his mind might be in us, that the old would be put off, that we might become the new creation in him that you designed from eternity. Will you help us this week to pay attention? To pay attention to what we're paying attention to. To open ourselves to you. That we might be transformed. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me send you on your way with that Great, ironic benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.